90% failure rate. Why in the world would a CEO do something that costs hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars knowing it only has a 10% chance of success? Well, we know that their pain has to be pretty strong if they're willing to do it. That thing that I'm referring to, the one that fails all the time and costs a lot of money, it's CRM implementations. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management, and you've probably heard of the biggest one, Salesforce. And according to a few articles I pulled, many implementations for even teams of less than 50 cost over a quarter million dollars all in. You can imagine a large implementation would cost millions, tens of millions, who knows how much, and take a year or more to implement. Still, it is unlikely to succeed. Throwing money at it doesn't fix the problem. Which begs the question, for those companies that have tried an implementation and it failed, what's their next move? Well, many of them will keep trying. They'll run trainings, they'll hire people internally to make the system work, they'll create documentation, they'll add or subtract features, they'll bolt on third-party tools, the list goes on. Some of them will give up, sure, but some will keep going. And for those who are committed to keep going, how badly do they want their CRM project to succeed? So badly that they'd be willing to try just about anything. And if you were selling services related to CRM implementations, wouldn't you want to know what your client has done in the past? Not only would it tell you how they got to where they are now, but it'll also tell you just how deep the pain is and how motivated they are to fix it. In today's episode, I'll tell you the one single question to ask in order to learn the complete history, what it'll tell you about your client's motivation, and some practical steps to put it all into action. Welcome to Modern Sales, a podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, and salespeople looking to have more and better conversations with your perfect clients. You'll get a healthy scoop of psychology, behavioral economics, and sales studies to help you create win-win relationships. I'm your host, Liston Witherell, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Modern Sales. This is the Sales Question series on Modern Sales, where we're taking a deep dive into the critical questions that you should be asking in every single sale. These all occur early in the sale when you're uncovering your client's pain. Each of the episodes in the series will have the hashtag SalesQuestions at the beginning of the title to help you find them quickly. This is episode number four of six. If you'd like to start from the beginning or you missed one of the previous episodes, just scroll back in your feed. And before we dig into today's question, this episode is brought to you by Serve Don't Sell, my sales training and consulting firm. If you want to dig deeper, sell business outcomes, and get rid of costly lost deals or price negotiations, I can help you with remote or in-person training for individuals and teams. Just head over to servedontsell.co to learn more about how it works. And now on to today's question. One of the problems with self-diagnosis in medicine is that people have a lot of symptoms typically, but they don't know which are relevant to the diagnosis that they are seeking. Sometimes they're experiencing things that they would hardly notice and they don't mention to their doctor. Well, we have the same problem with our clients. Your client may not tell you the whole history of their problem and everything they've done to fix it. And therefore, diagnosis can be a challenge. There may be organizational or systematic problems 
preventing them from reaching a solution. Maybe there is something really wrong at their company preventing them from succeeding. Don't we want to know what that is? Of course we do. And when we seek our client's history, it may tell us something about their willingness to change. It'll tell us something about their willingness to engage with outside vendors, why they chose those vendors in the past, and how well-suited we are for the project that they are looking at. Whether we're selling products or services, we know that the history can tell us something vital about whether or not this project will be successful and about whether or not we have the right solution. In addition to that, without understanding the history, we may not understand just how important this thing is to our client. Now, the reason this is happening is our client themselves may not understand just how important the history is. They withhold some of it, not intentionally or not to be difficult, but because they don't understand how vital it is, especially because they're in a hurry to just fix their problem. They probably don't want to spend a bunch of time talking to us about the history of the problem because they may not see its relevance. And also, they just want to rush to a solution. Look, it's understandable, but we have to know what's happened that have brought them to this point so we can gauge the mutual fit in order to help them. Maybe we can't help them. We need to know that. And maybe our client isn't forthcoming because they're embarrassed or because them telling us about their history may reflect poorly on their own performance. That is a problem too. But maybe the cause of not understanding our client's history is us. Maybe we're so excited to help them, and let's be honest, we're so excited to win the business that we forget to slow down and we forget to ask this one simple question. And that question is, what have you done to fix it? As usual, you're going to ask the question and then you are going to do your best to be quiet and listen the entire time afterward. Questions are only useful if they elicit answers that we otherwise didn't have. And that's why asking the question, what have you done to fix it? And then listening is going to give us a lot of information that we need. Now, the goal of this question is to get to the sequence of events that have led them to this call. Now, I'm assuming that sometimes you're working with people who have had false starts. They've tried things that didn't work. They've hired people who didn't do their jobs well enough, or it didn't work for that company for whatever reason, or they've bought the wrong tool or product and it just didn't hold up for them. Well, we want to know what that history is. We want to know what that sequence of events is that led them here. And we want to understand the steps that they've taken to solve it internally. That will tell us something about the machinations of their company. How do they work? Who's been involved? What's happened in order to bring them to this point where we are now? Another goal of the question is to understand if the problem has grown or shrunk in importance. Are more people involved? Have they spent more money on it recently? Have they not done anything for six months? Is this no longer a priority? Understanding the sequence of events will give us clues for all of these things. 
how the company works, how they make decisions, who's involved, who we need to talk to during the sale, how important and pressing this is. And the question will also tell us something about their organizational culture and limitations. Are there systemic problems in the company that may prevent us from being successful? Now, you know as well as I do that the goal of any of these conversations isn't just to get a sale. We want to get the right sale. We want to work with the right client and we want to be able to deliver exceptional success to them. The only way we can do that is to really understand the history of how they got here, if there is one. And finally, the last goal of this question is to really understand how burned does this person feel? Do they have a bunch of negative feelings about vendors like us? Do they have baggage? Is that something that we need to address early on in this process? Because if they do feel burned, we know that trust will come at a premium with this client and we may have to move a little bit slower or take extra steps to demonstrate that we are trustworthy. They're going to want to make sure that we can actually deliver on the things that we say and the bar for them may be a little bit higher than other people we talk to. Now, psychologically, there's a few things going on here. And these may or may not apply to any individual client, but they are worth noting. And one of those is the sunk cost fallacy. Are they continuing to invest in this project or this initiative simply because they're chasing the original investment? In other words, there's this problem with graduation that happens. So back to the example from the top of the show, if I'm doing a Salesforce implementation and I spend $200,000 on it and it doesn't quite work out, I may go to another vendor and they quote me $20,000 more. Well, compared to the 200,000, it doesn't sound like that much. And so I'd probably be more willing to spend that extra 20,000. What we want to see with our clients is they're not just spending money simply because of the money that they have already spent. They don't want to lose that original investment, but maybe the wiser thing is to pull the plug and change directions entirely. Or maybe they are making the right choices, but we want to identify it if it is the case. The second thing that may be at work here is called the gambler's fallacy, which is simply to say some people erroneously assume that if they lose a bunch of times in a row, the next time they're more likely to win. Now, if we look at a coin flip, we know that there's the same percentage chance of getting heads or tails every single time we flip the coin. It's a little bit different when we work with clients because it's not the flip of a coin that determines the success or failure of a project. There are intentional things that are done that determine the success or failure of a project. And with every single subsequent try to get back to that successful CRM implementation, if we use the same example, every subsequent try will probably learn something about what happened. And hopefully we'll apply what we learn in order to increase the likelihood of success the next time we try. But that's another thing to think about. Is the client sure that they're going to succeed simply because they've tried and failed a bunch of times in the past? If so, we're going to want to correct that and tell them what the risks and opportunities are on this particular project. And finally, from a neurological standpoint, 
If they have a bunch of negative emotions, and I would even say emotional baggage around this project, how likely is that to skew or even sabotage the likelihood of success? So what happens when we associate positive or negative emotions with a thing, again, back to the example, a CRM implementation, our brains have created neurological pathways to that thing, which means not only do we have to convince them that we're trustworthy, we have to reconnect those emotional pathways so that they're not just negative. This, of course, is a hurdle that we have to overcome. And in these cases, when our clients have a lot of baggage, I like to address it head on. This may not be for everybody. And I know I train people in lots of different places in different countries. And I know that being direct about this isn't always a cultural norm. The problem with not being direct about it, though, is it's going to come out at some point. And I would rather know right up front how likely it is that this project is to work out and to tell our clients, right? I noticed that you have some negative emotions about this. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think this may not work out? And we want them to start to not just recognize that they have negative emotions about this particular thing that we're trying to work on together, but I want them to start to use their rational mind to reassociate their feelings and start to dissect and analyze why they feel exactly this way, right? Of course, a lot of selling is emotionally driven, but when there are strong negative emotions, we need to start to show whether those are rational or not, and also whether those are reflective of where the sale could go and what the likely outcomes of the project are, right? Based on past experience. And so that's what I would wanna know is, to figure out how negative are those emotions if there's been a nasty, bad history with this particular project or initiative and start to reassociate and confront those with my client together. Now, when we ask our question, what have you done to fix it? We'll also want to not assume, but understand what the potential answers may be that we'll hear. And I think they fall into four main categories. And those categories are, we've been burned in the past, we haven't tried much of anything or we've done nothing, we've tried internally and it hasn't worked, and we've tried externally and it hasn't worked. So the first one, we've been burned in the past, we know, this was just my previous example about negative emotions, we know that we're going to have to work with our client and maybe move a little bit slower and spend more time building trust so that we can demonstrate to the client how we can help. We'll also have to make a determination whether or not we want to work with this client. Maybe they've been burned so badly that the emotional overhead and the work that we're going to have to do isn't really worth it for us to take this on. And that's okay. I like to tell people that and just say, but seems like you have a lot of negative feelings about this. And until you sort those out, I don't really feel comfortable moving forward with this. Now, it's not often people hear that in business, <laughs> and you may be cringing as I say that, but the truth is we're working with people, right? And people have feelings, including you, dear listener. I know it's weird, but yes, you have feelings. And I think it's okay to address those as long as we're doing it with compassion and we're doing it skillfully. So just acknowledging how people may feel and what risk that may pose to the project, I think is helpful. 
ultimately, if you think the person has so many negative emotions that you can't move forward, I think you need to just tell them that rather than leaving it up to them. Now, if the client says they've been burned in the past, I'm always going to want to follow up on that and understand what does that mean? What does it mean to be burned? How bad was it? Were they actually burned, right? Did they actually get a result that we think is satisfactory, but for some reason they don't? We want to know what that means. And so we're going to dig into that. The second potential answer we can get is we haven't tried much of anything or we haven't tried anything at all to fix this. Now, the good thing about this answer is we know that it comes with zero baggage or at least nearly zero baggage. And we also know that our role in this relationship is going to be to do a lot of education of the client, right? Because they're fairly inexperienced on this issue. So if they haven't tried much of anything, we would educate them about our process, how we would approach this, why this is the right way, what the alternatives are, and why we do it the way we do it. That can be a really good answer. And of course, we like to hear that. The next one is we've tried internally. So they've tried to solve the problem. It didn't quite work out. We would want to know why not? Was it a bandwidth problem? Did they just not have the available resources to do it? Was it the cost? They couldn't do it cost effectively. Was it that they don't think it's a core competency for them? So they started and they just abandoned the project. Is it that they don't have the skills or expertise to do it? These are all fairly different things, right? So we want to know what happened internally and we're going to sell on that point, right? So if they decided, for instance, this isn't a core competency for us. That's one of the selling points that I would use. I would say, look, this is my core competency. It's not yours. Rather than you making it a core competency of your own, let me come in and do it for you, right? This is a core pitch around my sales training as it relates to psychology and neuroscience and having these conversations and structuring your process, right? This is what I think about all day long, but most companies, this isn't a core competency. And so sure, they need to sell and they need to figure out their sales program, but I can fast track them on this one aspect of it. The next potential answer you may hear is we've tried externally. We've already engaged with a vendor and it didn't go well. Now, there are some flavors of why that may have happened. Maybe it wasn't a good cultural fit. Maybe they just hired the biggest company or vendor in the space and they didn't get the attention that they needed. Maybe there was a delivery issue. Maybe there was no issue with the vendor whatsoever and it just didn't work out. And of course, we would want to know why that's the case. So those are the four potential answers you may hear. We've been burned in the past. We haven't tried much of anything. We've tried internally and we've tried externally. Now, you may be wondering when you've heard enough from your client so that you know you've received a satisfactory answer to the question. And here's when you know you've heard enough. When you understand the people, tools, and attempts made to fix the problem in the past. So for people, what internal folks are involved? What external vendors have they used? For tools, what are some of the things they use to help solve the problem and their relative effectiveness? Why did they work or not work? And then attempts to fix the problem. What have they tried, when, and what happened as a result? This will tell you just how pressing the issue is. It'll also tell you your client's willingness to change 
and it will help you estimate their motivation and the probability of success, which again is very, very crucial. We don't wanna just sell anything to anyone. I've covered a lot here in this episode and I want to finish it with something important and that is how you're going to take action on the question, make it yours and implement the strategy right away. So the way I ask this question is very simple as if you've listened to my podcast, I try to keep things simple and conversational. And I would just say to the client, so what have you done to fix this? Just like that, let me repeat it one more time. So what have you done to fix this? Now, if you don't like the way I worded that, you can change the wording to whatever feels good to you. But no matter what you use in terms of wording, just make sure the core question here is about their attempts to fix the problem. After we ask that, if they're not super forthcoming, there's a variety of questions we can ask as follow-ups. One might be, what happened when you tried to fix it? When was it clear that it didn't work? One of my favorites that I stole from Ira Glass and Alex Bloomberg, two of my podcasting heroes. What do you make of that? How was that interpreted by others on your team? And when was this originally expected to be done? In other words, how late is this thing? How far behind are we? All of these will help us drive home and understand the motivation of our client, the probability of success, and all of the past attempts that they've used in order to get to where they are right now, which is in conversation with you. That's it for episode number four in the hashtag sales question series. In next week's episode, I'll be covering a question that'll tell you how much organizational will there is to make a change. Because without the organizational will to change, your client won't buy from you or anyone else, my friend. That's next time as we continue the sales question series. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. All you have to do is click the subscribe button in whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. If you're listening online right now, just go to your podcast app, type in modern sales, just how it sounds, and you'll be able to locate it and subscribe. You can also get notified of all podcast episodes with some behind the scenes info, as well as other exclusive sales content I put out by signing up for the newsletter at servedontsell.co slash newsletter. It's totally free and it's linked in the show notes. And finally, if you're looking for help training your team or even yourself to sell more of your big, hairy, complicated products and services to big companies, I can help with both remote and on-site training options. Just head over to servedontsell.co, click the contact button, and you can fill out a quick form to begin the conversation with me directly. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Liston Witherell of Serve Don't Sell, and I hope you have a fantastic day.